Abundance of love, abundance of grace, down to that cross, you took my place, oh God, you take my ransom, Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. We'll be on the screen in Mark chapter 8, verse 36. The Bible says, And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Mm. I want to preach to you this morning from a sermon titled, What is on your bucket list? Pray with me. God, thank you for allowing us to be here today. God, I thank you for being here with us as we gather in your name. And God, I pray now you'd anoint me to say things that would honor you and give us ears to hear what the Spirit says in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I'm going to get the uh, pleasantries out of the way before we get into today's lesson. I appreciate everybody who uh, sent me. Uh, texts and emails, uh, private messages uh, to celebrate me being older than dirt. <laughs> Today is my uh, 60th birthday on this planet, so now I've entered into a new decade. Amen. And I, I thank God. I We are not a formal church. We are, we are just a bunch of imperfect people who gather together to learn and to serve God and and to, to be his hands and feet to this community. I, it was so awesome. I came up yesterday and hung out with food and clothing and, and, and uh, watched all the cars going by and the people going by. And what a blessing. Um, I thought that was a, that's, a, that's a completely different shirt. I've got nine shirts in that same pattern. Um, does that look like the same shirt? Uh, but it's not. <laughs> oh, Lord. Um, yeah, uh, I, I, since I've been losing weight over the last couple of months, um, I decided a couple of months ago, everybody says it's hard to lose weight once you get old, and I thought, ah, oh, that's just an excuse. And I told y'all for years, don't send your diet plans to me. I'm comfortable uh, be, be, being fat and cuddly. And, and I thought, let me just go ahead and lose weight, see if it's really hard to lose weight at 60 years old. Well, having now lost 27 pounds and being under 200 pounds for the first time in 17 years, um, you, you guys are going to see more, more and more shirts. I've, I've already adjusted down to some shirts I wasn't wearing. If I lose any more weight, this shirt's going to have to go uh, somewhere else. But uh, if we were a more formal church, and there's some great things about formal churches. Some of y'all grew up in denominational churches that were formal. If, if we were in a formal setting, uh, we, we would get all churchy. Um, and some of that's awesome, and some of it's just foolishness. But if you've ever been in a real churchy African-American church, which is where I, I was ordained and, and grew up in ministry, people would come up and say, giving glory first of all to God. Anybody ever been in one of those kind of settings? And then it's a whole list of people, the, the, the angel of the house, the pastor, and then they just go on down um, uh, the list. And I thought, well, you know, I, I've got a little list 
of my own today. I thank everybody um, here today, and uh, especially those who, who have sent me greetings. But first and foremost, uh, not in a churchy fashion, but from my heart, I want to give thanks to God, who is the reason why we're all here, and he's the hope of our life. Amen. Uh, to my family, uh, my mother, my sister, uh, my youngest son, all in attendance today, and I thank God for that, our deacons and our elders who allow me to do what the scripture says that my job is to do, which is to give myself to study and to prayer. If you look in the book of Acts, uh, there were some church folk. Uh, pe people haven't changed that much over, over, over the millennia. They, people have been people forever, and they were bad-mouthing uh, the the apostles, and uh, they're not helping with the food giveaway. I don't see them up here on work day. And the, the apostles told them in the book of Acts that you, you ought to seek out other people to do that so we can give ourselves to prayer and the study of the word of God. And I thank God that he has blessed our church to bring along faithful people, competent people. Um, you've, many of you have heard this story before, um, especially thankful uh, for my sister who is our church administrator, and I believe she's just the most fantastic woman I know, um, hardest working woman in show business, and uh, she makes everything run smooth, and I thank God. We, when we started this church 22 years ago, uh, I was having to type up the bulletin, print them, fold them, and I'm just too OCD for folding bulletins. Uh, what do you think, Dina? Uh, I, when I showed Nina how to fold the bulletins, and then I rejected some of them, and ever since then, anytime something's had to be folded, she would give people the big, long speech. It has to be exact, and then she ended up folding them all herself, but she's just so fantastic at what she does, and she came along to where I didn't have to do all the administrative stuff, and, and her husband, uh, Deacon Scott Mills, just has just been an, a catch-everything guy for the last 20 years. Uh, he saw me out there on Saturdays, uh, and I, I was 38 years old. Uh, I've been in my 30s pastoring this church, my 40s, my 50s, and now going, uh, starting on my 60s today. But I was cutting three and a half acres of grass uh, on Saturday afternoon with a little tiny 32-inch riding lawnmower with a steering wheel that had about that much turning radius. And I'd show up to church every Sunday morning blister red, sunburnt skin peeling off me, and he came along and said, Pastor, I've got a better lawnmower than that. I, I just want to give my lawnmower to the church. We can leave it up here, and I want to take that off your hands. And I want, I want to tell you this, man. Uh, the way I've watched you care for my sister, for your children, for this church, for me, um, all those things, from, from you cutting the grass to you fixing the lights all over and everything that you've done uh, over the last couple of decades. I just want to say I love you. I thank God for you. You're an amazing man, and I want everybody to honor the Lord for the gift of, of Deacon Scott Mills. Uh, and I ain't going to go into everybody else because we've got uh, something bigger to focus on today, and, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Um, but uh, years ago when... I, my kids were growing up, and when they were little, a movie came out, and people were talking about a bucket list. Uh, 
something you want to accomplish before you die. And my kids started asking me, Dad, what's on your bucket list? And I was very sincere when I told them that, and they asked me that multiple times throughout their childhood, and I always had the same answer. I don't have anything left on my bucket list. I've already done everything that I want to do. Of course, my children came along late in life. Gail and I got married, and the doctor said we wouldn't be able to have children, and we spent years together not having kids. And people say, you know, anytime they want to say something weird happened, they say God has a sense of humor. After we gave up, and I mean, we tried everything. We, we did in vitro fertilization. Uh, we did artificial insemination. We looked into adoption. We looked into fostering. After we finally gave up, uh, then at 38 years old, my first uh, born child came along, and then at 40, my second came. So I was already old when I had kids. Try to strap that on. Uh, I'm, I'm going to these, these parent-teacher uh, meetings. I'm going to these orientation meetings. Um, I'm looking around. Like, I, I see my mom today. I thank God for her. My mom was 37 years old in my senior year of high school. And... Uh, and all, all the kids just be like, man, your mom's hot. I said, keep your eyes off my mom. My mom's just young. She, she, she had Dina at 20 and me at 21, you know. Uh, but I, I didn't get blessed to do that. And some of you had your children young, and you got them out of the way so you could live your best life. And some people like me had them late. Uh, and thank God, 2022, my, my youngest son, Seth, who's here today, uh, he graduated high school and got started in his career, so I'm finally where y'all are at. <laughs> it just took me a while to get there, but I told him as far as a bucket list goes, big things that I want to accomplish in my life, uh, I, I, I told him, I've already been saved. I married the perfect woman for me. I was able to care for her until her last breath, hold her in my arms as she transitioned from this life to the next life, raised two healthy boys, both graduated high school. Neither of them's ever been arrested. You say, is that a big deal? Well, I was multiple times arrested in my life, so it's a real big deal to me. I know it's a big deal for my mother. My mother finally told him, uh, or told me, and I thought it was just mom's speech. She said, that's it, son. Um, just before I got saved, she said, that's it. I'm because as, as a single mother, she would have to take off work to come get me out of jail. That's not joyful. And she told me, I'm, I'm never coming down to get you out of jail again. You figured out for yourself. I thought that was mom's speech. Last time I got arrested was in St. Augustine, Florida. And they called her. She said, do whatever you want to do with him. And the, the, the cop, it's really when I started hating cops to death. God had to deliver me from most of that. Um, it was so textbook. I mean, it literally was so textbook. This big old fat and I'm talking about belly out to here. Uh, and walked up to me laughing at me while eating a what? I ain't even making this stuff. A big old fat donut-eating cop came up to me laughing at me, criticizing me. He said, boy, you must really be a piece of work. Your mama said she ain't going to come get you, just uh, keep you, throw you out. And, and I thought, oh, if I was on the other side of this bars right now. But... My, my children escaped all that, and, and I give praise to that. My, my kids didn't get, go down the road that uh, my sister and I went down with drugs and with alcohol. They both got great careers. God blessed me to make a lot of money in my lifetime. Uh, 
outside the church. The church has provided for me for the last 22 years, but I've always had jobs outside the church uh, so I could do the things that uh, I, I wanted to do and some things that I needed to do. I've traveled the world, spent 22 years pastoring this church, which has really shaped my identity um, because I was 38 years old. I'd already done lots of things but before pastoring this church. I'd been in ministry already at different churches uh, and had, had accomplished uh, quite a bit. But these last 22 years have been, uh, it felt like it has been all-encompassing of my life and got to see a lot of people get saved, heal, grow in their faith. And I, I really said for, for years and years and years that the only thing left for me to do is to open my eyes in heaven one day and see Jesus face to face. Anybody believe you're going to see Jesus face to face one day? <laughs> Hallelujah. But thinking about it this week, because let me tell you something. People will lie to you. And this generation lie, well, I don't know if they lie more, but because of social media and 900 channels and TV, how many of y'all remember when TV used to play the Star Spangled Banner at night and go off and just, that's all it was on TV. I would to God we had a life like that. You had people staying up 3, 4, 5 o'clock in the morning watching reruns of Seinfeld. You already seen the whole thing. What are you doing? But I, that now with 24-7 access, people watch the news now like it's, it's entertainment. We didn't grow up watching the news. We were playing out in the street. You got kids now making podcast commentaries on, on news events and elections and it's just, it's in everybody's face. So maybe there wasn't more, isn't more lying now, but we certainly get access to hearing more of it. You're saying, what are you talking about, Pastor? I hear people with all this random stuff, uh, you're only as old as you feel. That ain't true. Uh, I feel 113, but I'm only 60. Okay? So you're not as old as you feel, you're as old as you are. Well, here's another one. Here's another lie people say. Uh, 30 is the new 50. Uh, no, it's not. Uh, and, and listen, if, if you look better in now, if, if you're past 55 and you think you look better now than you looked ever before, there, there's only one or two possibilities. You were so ugly, a dog wouldn't play with you without a pork chop tied around your neck. Or you're just wrong. Hey, listen, I, I've had so many people tell me this week, uh, Pastor 60 ain't old. You got a whole lifetime. Uh, no, I don't. Don't curse me with that. Um, I, I've seen people turn 70. I've seen people turn 80. Uh, I've seen people turn 90. And I'm like, Lord Jesus, they're going to be wheeling me into that church uh, in a wheel, I'm going to be drooling out of the side of my mouth and five people will still be saying amen, acting like they're paying attention. I do not want that to be the course of life, but I have realized this week that there is something on my bucket list that's always been on my bucket list, and I just need to pay more attention to it. Uh, I want to be faithful to God until the end. A lot of people start a thing, but it takes something to finish a thing. And that's why I've always said, whether, whether it was my mom who is, uh, j just broke into her own new 
decade, uh, past year, uh, she was the first senior adult in our church history. And when I, when I started the church, everybody was young, and we didn't have any senior adults. We were praying for senior adults. Uh, so w- whether, whether it was my mom, the first senior adult, or uh, Ken and Diane, who, who have been so faithful to watch them uh, for over the years and years and years and years move, move into their, we call them golden years. Um, I think that's because you have to pee all night long. But that's so funny. Y'all ought to be shot. Every, everybody in the room ought to be shot for not rolling on the floor. But senior adults have always been, in, in, in my lifetime as a Christian, role models to me because they're doing the one thing that I want to do more than anything in my life. They're still serving God in their 60s, 70s, 80s, all the way into the end. And I hope that if you've got a bucket list, you'll add that to it. If you don't have a bucket list, you'll, you'll include that in yours. I want to be faithful to the end, and I want to encourage you. Don't give up on the Lord because he never gave up on you. The truth is, for me, for you, for every Christian, God's been way better to me than I've been to him. I, I wish I could go back and erase all the times that I failed him, all the times that I failed people and do things better, but I can't and neither can you. But what we can do is we can focus day by day being who God wants us to be today. And the past is such a trap. When the Apostle Paul was talking to his favorite church, the church uh, in, in Philippi, he told them that I'm not all that y'all think I am. I'm, I'm not perfect. I haven't uh, arrived at my final spot. He said, but this one thing I do, and he let out his biggest secret. He said, I forget the past, and I press forward today to what's ahead of me. And if you have a glorious past, um, my, my kids have never done it. They probably, I, I don't know what they do when I'm not around, but they always act interested in my stories. And my kids have heard, I had the shortest army career, but I've been, I was raised in the military, lived in Navy housing, been, been military-minded my whole lifetime. For, for three years in the army, you think I'd have done 30. But they heard about all the times I uh, was advanced, fat, uh, 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 early promotion, soldier of the quarter, soldier of the year, and they never rolled their eyes at me. But your past accomplishments can be a trap for your present laziness. Oh, my. If you'd let that sink in for a minute, it'd be, it'd be worth the price of being here today. If, if you ever did anything for the Lord, your, your past success in your Christianity can be uh, a, an excuse for your present carnality. I know so many people that have told me over the years, oh, pastor, I used to preach, I used to teach, I used to be an usher, I used to be a deacon, I used to do this, that, and the other thing, and... This is why I say you should flood your mind with Christian music. Listen, because if you don't, every song you've ever heard is still locked away in your brain. You might not be great at recalling it, but uh, let, let, me, let me see if anybody uh, besides me in the room is a mind reader um, and can hear the thoughts in people's heads. When people tell me, Pastor, I used to do this, I used to do that, I used to do the other thing, there, there is one song 
that just floods my mind every time. Not Christian, but is one of the best singers, best-looking women that ever lived on this planet. Anybody know what song I'm singing in my head when they tell me what they used, what they used to do? Dun, 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 dun. What have you done for me? <laughs> and I'm just saying, your past can, can, can keep you stuck, whether it was bad. There's still people punishing themselves for, for bad things that they did in their past, won't forgive themselves, still reliving every day. And I understand hurt is difficult to transition for. I, I've had to forgive some people uh, just a, a thousand times and, and, and may need to forgive them again in the future. But you need to get out of your successes from the past, thank God for them, but do something today. Your failures in the past, thank God he still loves you. Leave that alone and be who God wants you to be today. Can anybody say amen? I want to be faithful to the end. I I, I want to focus, and, and you can do this too, focus on pleasing God with the time that we have left. Focus on pleasing God with the time that we have left. Now, so there, there, there's so much bad preaching in America, and I'm not talking about the skillfulness of the orator. I'm talking about the, the horribleness of the theology. I've had so many people tell me, uh, pa- Pastor, uh, God says your ladder will be greater and, and, and your last days are going to be your... Maybe not. God never said that. God, God said about the temple that was being rebuilt it, that it would be more glorious than the former temple. When he said the latter shall be greater than the former, he was talking about the temple. Listen, you, you, you might be, be tw- in your 20s now. Your, your 30s just might be the worst decade of your life. You're like, I'm going to a mega church where they tell me every day is going to be better than the rest. Well, do what you got to do, but I'm telling you, life is full of ups and downs. Do you know that? Life is full of good days, bad days, happy days, sad days. And what we need to focus on is making sure that we stop thinking about what was and concentrate on the task at hand. I, God has always been faithful to me. I've made so many mistakes. Uh, I, could, I could just bury my head in my pillow and, and cry for a thousand years o- over the times I disappointed God, disappointed people, but God has always been faithful, and I am so glad that God doesn't wait on us to get perfect or do- doesn't only love us when we do right. I'm thankful to have a heavenly Father that loves me all the time. Let's, let's, let's get into the Word this morning. I read to you verse 36, but I want to back up a couple verses and get into Verse 34, the Bible says, then calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, he's talking about Jesus, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross, and follow me. So I want you to look at the Bible because I believe that we need to learn what the Bible says more than what the pastor says. If you ask a lot of people about their theories on on religion, uh, eternity, God, they can tell you what mom and them said. They can tell you what their pastor said. But you need to know for yourself, if you call yourself a Christian, what the Bible says. Because everybody can be wrong, but the Bible is never wrong. 
Then, calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, If any of you wants to be my follower, come. I'm going to say it again. If you've been here more than a month, you've already heard it a lot. Pay attention to the punctuation when you read. Pay attention to the punctuation. It'll perfect your comprehension. And people just read too fast, and you got to slow down, especially when you're reading the Bible, because it's not enough just to gloss over it. You Literally, I, I'm not even going to ask you to raise your hand, because some would raise your hand that don't mean it, and some wouldn't raise your hand that should. But you can get up in the morning and read your proverb of the day. Today's August 6th. You ought to read Proverbs 6 for your morning devotional. It'll start your day off in a great way. But you can read the whole proverb and not pay attention to any of it, close the book, walk away, and say, well, I read it, but I, didn't, I don't really remember anything out of it. The Bible says that we need to get understanding. And if you don't slow down your Bible reading to where you can digest it spiritually, you're never going to be able to benefit from it the way God intended when he gave us his holy, inspired, infallible, perfect word of God. And Jesus says this very poignant phrase, if any of you wants to be my follower. Now, if you're wondering what Jesus would say if he was in this room, I can tell you, not because I'm a mind reader, not because I'm a fortune teller, but because I've read the Bible, and the Bible says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's unchanging. He would say today what he said then, and here's a question right out of the, the mouth of God. Do, do you want to be his follower? See, it starts, it starts with that. You, you've got to have a desire to follow God. That's why so many people have walked out, prayed prayers, um, cried in front of a church full of people, and never truly been born again. Uh, and, and I used to wonder about it and think, well, some people walk the aisle, pray a prayer, life changes forever. They get born again and dwelt with the spirit of the living God and go on to serve God and, and follow him. Other people, it, it just fades out. Well, the scripture says you'll only find God when you search for him with your whole heart. Lots of people come into church services, get emotional in, in their homes, wherever they might be, and pray a prayer because someone said, pray this prayer and you'll go to heaven. But they really never intended on following Jesus. They were just caught up emotionally. They were caught up in the speech process, whatever it might be. But I hope that you can answer this question for yourself. Do you want to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you do, he went on to say, if you want to be his follower, you must, say must, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross, and follow me, talking about himself. And I want you to, to think about the, 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 the truth of this in a couple of words. Here's three things you got to do. You got to turn, you, you got to take, and you got to follow. Now, if you have not turned away from your selfish ways, then you are not following the Lord. Uh, you may or may not have salvation, but let me tell you something. Salvation is just the starting point. It's not the end game. People come and get saved. We had a lot of people get saved recently. We just baptized about a dozen people last week. I want to say thank you to everybody who came out and celebrated with us. We had a glorious time baptizing people this past month on the front porch. Can anybody agree with that? 
that's just the beginning. It's not over. That's the starting point. Then, as you grow in your relationship with God, you got to learn how to turn away from your selfish ways. Now, why would Jesus tell people that want to follow him that they have selfish ways? Because we do. We all still, listen, you're born into this life, according to the Bible, a sinner with a sin nature. The Bible says, uh, uh, wherefore, as by one man, Adam, sinned, death passed upon all men for all his sin. And we are born with this selfish sin nature. I'll tell you what I've said before. If you don't believe what I just said, go to any nursery in America. You don't have to teach kids how to say mine. Here's, here's what parents do when they're trying to get their kids uh, verbally active. What, what's the first word that they try to get that child to say? Every time, mama. Say mama, baby, mama. mama. And, and then the man comes in and says, what's he telling them to say? Say dad, dad. That ain't even a word. I mean, that might be a word in somebody's language, but if, your ch- if my child started calling me, if, if I go to lunch today and Seth calls me dad-da, I'm, I'm going to check him for a stroke. <laughs> Nobody sits down with their little child and says, say mine. No, mine. Say, say mine. You, know, you don't have to teach children to say mine. Why? They came out of the womb selfish. They came out of the womb sinful. People say, well, I just believe that people are basically good if they're given an opportunity. Uh, You really are a special case of ignorant. Listen, people are not good naturally. The Bible says the heart is deceitfully wicked beyond all imagination. You can't even imagine. Uh, Now, listen, I'm going to say right because of right here, uh, Elder Jimmy will tell you, uh, unequivocally, and I believe him because I've watched them for almost 20 years, uh, what an amazing woman his wife is. What, what, what an incredible wife she is, what an incredible mother, grandmother she is, what an incredible Christian she is, and I believe that. And that's all I've ever seen. I've never had a crossword with Nancy Rich in 20 years, never had an argument, never been disappointed by her in anything, uh, but listen, I don't have to have personally with my own eyes seen it. I already know because I know everybody has a sin nature. And let me tell you something. She, she serves as, as an elder in this church alongside her husband because they're one. And she's fantastic, faithful in ministry, gives supports, does everything that you could want a Christian to do. Never seen her do a bad thing, never heard her say a bad word. But let me tell you what I know about her. You give it her, you you get in the right situation, she will cut you from top to bottom. Shoot you, drive over you, put it in reverse, back up again. Listen, some people, you, you don't see that in them. You don't see that, that that's that's why I like my, my mother uh was redheaded all, all of my childhood growing up, and man, she wore it to perfection. She was sassy and she was brassy and she would beat you up. She she would fight you. She would fight a grown man in a bar and has. She would dance across table. I mean, she was a a a upfront about who she was. Listen, one of the best things I love about my mom is she's one of the most honest people you'll ever meet. And if she likes you, you'll know it. And if she don't, 
You'll know that too. My, my mom had such a successful career. She was always in charge. She was always a boss. She was always running things. And everybody that worked for her knew nobody will outwork her. Uh, you don't ever have to worry about is she going to do her job and treat you fairly. And, but they also knew if you cross her and get on her bad side, nobody's going to wear you out like her. I, I, I like people where you know where you stand with them. Because those people that look like they're all soft and kind, people tend to think, oh, they're just so sweet, they've probably never done a bad thing in their life. You have not read the Bible. How, how many of y'all know, even the sweetest grandmother in the world, listen, all I got to do is say, well, what if you did something mean to one of her grandchildren? That's a mic drop. That, that, hey, I'm going to tell you what, church mother or not, Go ahead and do something bad. They, they will grab. And listen, people have selfish ways. Can you say amen? And, and if you don't, first you got to admit it. You, first, first step in solving any problem is admitting it. Take ownership from it and, and do something about it. And some of y'all just think you're all that in a bag of chips. Some of y'all think you're so sweet, you're so wonderful. Listen, the Bible says it's foolish to trust in human beings. Uh, that we should only trust in the Lord. And that's why I tell you all the time, and I tell preachers all the time, stop acting so perfect in front of people. Show some transparency. Let the congregation know that, that you're not perfect. Let the congregation know they shouldn't put you on a pedestal. The only one we should be looking up to in this life is Jesus Christ. He's the standard. He's God in the flesh. So all of us have some selfish ways that we need to turn away from, but it doesn't stop there. He, went, he, he said turn, but he also said take. He said take up your cross. Now, it, it tickles me when I see people wearing crosses. I, I like to see crosses. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not upset people have crosses. They, they do whatever they do and crosses everywhere. But if someone from this time in life could see you wearing a cross around your neck they would think you're the biggest, Satanist, craziest, uh, most evil, maniacal person that ever lived. Well, why, Pastor Scott? The cross reminds us of Jesus. The cross is an instrument of death, and not just death, torturous death, agonizing death, brutal, blood, gory. The, the Bible sa says, teaches us about crucifixion. It wasn't just something that they did to Jesus. It was their preferred method of capital punishment. Now, in America, we have different types of capital punishment from state to state. When I grew up in Florida, we, we had what our governor back then called old what? Old Sparky. And they'd get all excited. They were going to fire up old Sparky. That meant somebody was going to sit in an electric and, and be gone. And that was the capital punishment they chose. Uh, when I was a kid, Wyoming still had, for their preferred method of capital punishment, hanging public hanging um boy you're talking about families that want to get closure you can't close it worse than that um but then most states went to lethal injection with the theory that well just because they did horrible things their whole life and deprived you of the life of your child and ruined your whole life forever we shouldn't let them die a painful death we should just give them a nice injection and let them drift off to sleep but that's different types of capital punishment in first century the capital punishment was the cross and it was brutal 
before they put you on the cross, they beat you. Many people died in what was called the scourging process. And the Bible tells us that Jesus fell under the weight of the cross. Uh, a cross is agonizing. Say agony. And the Bible teaches that during the beating process, they whipped him so long and so hard that his bowels hung below his groin to the point where you couldn't tell if it was a man or a woman. Now, if you get beat so bad that all the flesh is ripped off you and your guts are hanging down to your knees, uh, you probably don't want your great-grandchildren taking a picture of that, hanging it on, on a chain on their neck and saying, look at the cross. But I understand now, uh, 2023, there's a different mindset for it. But when it says, take up your cross, that is saying there is, you got to be willing to die to whatever is hindering you from being all that God wants you to be. I've heard people say, it's usually women. I, I, don't, I don't know that I've ever heard a man say the, the reverse, but I've heard a lot of women say, well, Pastor, you know, I guess my husband is just my cross to bear. That's your hardship. Your, your straying children are not your cross to bear. Your, your, your crazy family is not your cross to bear. He didn't say take a, your cross would be what someone else did. He said take up what? Your cross. Are you willing to die for following Jesus? And I've told you before, I've had a lot of people say, oh, Pastor Scott, I'd die for the Lord. Oh, I'd die. I, if they start executing criminals, I'd be the first. I'd take a bullet. For, well, that's easy, y'all. Come on now. That, that, that's a one-time death. The, the Bible says that we are a living sacrifice. We got to go through and go through and go through. I tell you one thing, it had been a whole lot easier if the first time I got persecuted, hurt, wounded, or, or uh, wronged as a Christian, if God would have just took me to heaven right then, I'd have had a lot easier life. That cross is a continual death for the Christian. If you say, well, I don't want a religion like that. I want to bless me uh, Religion. I, I, I want to, everything's going to be okay. Religion. Listen, Christianity is the only real religion there is because Jesus is the only real God that there is. And, it, it, and it's going to be a great blessing and it's going to be better than anything else when we get to heaven. Um, but hey, in the nasty now and now, there's struggle. And you got to be willing to die to it, whether, whether it's your. Your, your words, your deeds, your thoughts, your attitudes, you got to learn to say, hey, i got to stop being that person. And here's what I've heard so many people say over the last 40 years. Well, I, that's just how I was raised. Well, you, you need to die to your raising. A lot of people were raised to be racist. You, can't, you don't come into Christ and stay racist. God, God said you can't love a God who you haven't seen if you don't love people that you do see. A lot of people were raised to be very, very disconnected, almost robotic, like no emotion, no feelings. No, don't, don't, don't tell anybody they love them. Don't share emotion with it. Well, that's just how I was raised. My family didn't do all that touchy-feely, huggy. Hey, die to your raising. So, so, some of, some of y'all were, were raised by mean, angry people, and you become a mean, angry person. You got to die to whatever it is that's in you. The, 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 president the politicians the 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 local the stirring up that the news is doing this week 
that, that's not something that you need to be all focused on. What you need to be focused on is what is in me that needs to die? What is in me that I need to crucify? What is in me that I need to stop? And that is when you really begin to follow the Lord at a different level. So Jesus said, you got to turn. He said, you got to take. And then he said, and, which means there's more. It doesn't stop with turning from your selfish ways. It doesn't stop with taking up your cross. It, it, it goes on to say, and you have to follow him. Now, the old preachers used to say stuff just to scare us. And I don't believe scaring people into better behavior is, is the best means. It's a means. Uh, it, it's a good parenting tool. I'm going to tell you something. In, in the 70s, when everybody got Dr. Spock crazy and, and said, well, you know, studies have shown that if you spank your children, they'll grow up to be violent ex-murderers. Uh, no, it, no, they haven't. False studies. Listen, I'm going to tell you what. A hundred years ago, they were beating the brakes off children, and children said, yes, sir, no, ma'am, and, and you didn't have to teach them how to act around grown folk because they had already had that skin blistered up. But the Bible teaches us that it's the goodness of the Lord that leads us to repent. It's the goodness of God that brings proper change in our life. And if you ever realize how good God has been to you, you're going to want to be nice to him. But you got to want to follow him. You got to turn. You got to take. You got to follow him. Verse 35, Jesus said, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. Now, there's a comma after life because he knows he just said a whole mouthful. And that comma gives you cause to pause. If you try to hang on to your life. And there's so much in this generation that never existed in the Lord's church and doesn't exist in the Lord's church outside of the Western Hemisphere, uh, especially outside of America. Live your best. Nowhere in the Bible does it say live your best life now. It says die to your life and live to Jesus. Nowhere in the Bible does it say stand up for your voice and let your voice be heard. Some of y'all... Uh, y'all, y'all, y'all didn't, y'all didn't listen to the song properly in the eighties. What did the song say in the eighties? I'm not, I'm not, I'm the only, I'm the only discerning prophet in the whole room right now uh, in this capacity. I'll tell you what it said. You talk too much, homeboy. You never. Aha. And that is is worse now in this generation than ever. Any 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 idiot. With, with a webcam, can get thousands and millions of people listening to what they say. Jesus never said, let your voice be heard. Here, here's another one. I've told you about this before. This, if you say this in front of me, I'm going to feel a certain kind of way. I may or may not tell you, but I'm going to think it for sure. Well, we need to speak truth to, speak truth to power. Oh, you feel special because you're just nagging the president? You're just showing up somewhere and holding a sign. Uh, We need to let God's truth speak to us. Y'all not hearing me. I'm going to get you out of here in a a, a quick minute. He said, uh, but these are ways where people hang on to their own life. Even in the workplace, 
It never existed before. And I've told my children, and I better never hear my children say the things that all, all these people 40 and under, uh, 45 and under right now say in America. Because it's not realistic, it's not reality, and it's not how the world ever existed in, in life. The younger workers in the workforce today, they've, they've done so many surveys. They didn't do surveys on us in the workforce. Uh, I, I was born in 1963. I was born on this day in 1963. 1964 was the last year of the baby boomers. So, you know, I'm, I'm kind of on that in-between ground. But in my generation and the generations before it, they didn't survey us to ask us what would give us a greater sense of fulfillment in the workplace. That's all they do with these kids now. They got all these different, you know, people hired just to make sure. Are you? It's like these bosses apologizing to people. Well, I hate to tell you this, but we're going to need everyone to turn on their Zoom cameras for the meeting today as you all work from home in your pajamas and take care of your children when you should be working. And they're like apologizing to you to ask you to do some work. Oh, we didn't have that. Turn your camera on or you're all fired. That's what we had. Well, we didn't really have cameras, but you know what I'm saying. But these kids today, they're like, well, what, what do you want most from your job? And it's ridiculous, but they all have the same answer. Well, I'd like to feel valued. We didn't care nothing about that. Let me ask you, Mama. When they kept you and your siblings out of school so you could pick in the cotton field in the hot Louisiana heat in a house that had no plumbing and no air conditioning, did, 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 did your mom or daddy ever come by and ask you or any of their six kids, uh, are you feeling okay today? Do you feel valued? Do, 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 do you, are you comfortable? No. We, we didn't go through any of that. You know what every generation before this generation wanted from their job? A paycheck. You don't get your fulfillment from your job. You need to get your fulfillment from serving God, having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, being a valuable member of the Lord's body. Get your fulfillment from your family, your friends, your hobbies. Listen, you better realize it because if you don't, if we keep teaching these children that your voice, your voice don't need to be heard on your job. Well, they encourage it on my job. Oh, that business going to be out of business in a year. They're going to shut down, catering to you. Uh, they, they, they're not trying. You, you see what's happening to Bud Light? Big, biggest beer company in the world. Number one beer on the planet. People, people, uh, listen, I know there are people drinking Bud Light in the closet. They got so many funny memes out on the Internet right now. Uh, some guy sees his buddy drinking Bud Light. Like, ah, pfft, there's lots of people still still doing it. But, but look what happened. They marketed a wrong message to the wrong crowd. Now, let me say something. I'll tell you straight up. I've said it since day one as a Christian. I don't have any more, of, I don't, and I know God doesn't have any more of a problem with homosexuality than he does with gluttony. Sin is sin in God's eyes. God, God's not angry at the homosexual and happy with the liar. And the gossiper and the person who doesn't read their Bible. God, God's not, God doesn't put any more weight against a transgendered uh, uh, person than against a, a, a biological, they call them cisgendered people. God says sin is sin. But man, they had this woman in her 40s, 30s or 40s, who thought she was a marketing agent. Biggest beer company in the world, Anheuser-Busch hired this woman, and she came up with this brilliant theory. 
let's market beer with a transgender, a man pretending to be a woman, and so we can grow our brand into the gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender, third spirit, cross-dressed, wild, uh, every letter in the world person. Listen, let me tell you something what I, what I don't know now, now, or what I do know. I don't know a lot about being gay because I've never been gay. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm past that. Uh, Tone Loke said this, the 80s, I'm down with the ladies. Uh, that, that was the 60s, 70s, and the 2023s for me. But I, I don't know much about that community, but I do know this. They don't drink Bud Light. You want to know who drinks Bud Light? Bubba. Hard-working men drink beer, and hard-working women drink beer. They, they like, well... You know, transgender people make up less than 1% of the population. Let's let that be the face of our company. That's the dumbest marketing idea in the history of the world. But people think, well, if it makes sense to me, we ought to push it to the masses. Listen, die to what makes sense to you and follow the Lord. Get some old school wisdom. Our grandparents didn't have internet. Most of them didn't graduate from high school. Most of them had a fifth grade education or somewhere in that area. They grew up without televisions and electricity and without air conditioning. But you know what they had? Common sense. You could have asked anybody 65 years ago, do you think Budweiser ought to market uh, the most watered-down alcohol on the planet, a, 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 a tool of, of the redneck, beer to uh, a gay, lesbian, transgendered community? No. No, they, they sip craft beer if they sip beer at all. They, they, they don't mess around with it. So what you think and what this current generation thinks is not what's important. But we've got so many people trying to hold on to their life. Well, my voice needs to be heard. No, it doesn't. The Bible needs to be heard. Well, I need to be free to express myself. Not on the clock. You don't do all you want to do. do. Do that on your own time. I don't have a problem in the world with LeBron James doing anything he wants to do. But when he's on the job, wearing the uniform, it's time to play basketball. I, kneel. If you want to kneel to protest systemic oppression, if you want to kneel to protest injustice to, to people of color, then that's, that's a valuable resource. Go sit, go kneel in front of a police station. Well, I've got this big platform. You know, you, you, when, when, when the whistle blows and in the pregame show, when you walk out into a stadium that you don't own wearing a uniform that you didn't buy, that, that's not the time to let your voice be heard. That's the time to do what they're paying you to do. You, you want to you be all special and let your voice be heard? Go ahead and do that, but you need to die to some things. You, you're trying to hang on to your individuality. Well, it's gotten rough on, on young people, though. When I was a kid, I, I remember when, people, when men started wearing one earring. How many of y'all can remember that? And there was a big deal about it. Because they, they went so, it was so shocking that they decided, well, if you wear it in this ear, it's, it's not gay, it's just cool. Okay, and they were just trying to be individuals. Like, like I, I grew up living in Navy housing. The only people that had tattoos were Navy people, military people, anchors on their forearm. How many of y'all remember that? 
They did that to be individuals. Young people were like, I want to stand out for the crowd. Uh, I don't know, man, if this world keeps going on, I don't know how much further you can go. I mean, we've already seen one earring turn into two earrings, and and it was, you know, just a little gold stud turned into a diamond stud. Uh, Now you got men wearing uh, big, long, dangly hoop earrings. You got men wearing makeup. I don't know how far we can go with this. You got women that went from earrings here to earrings here to all the way around, into the nose, into the tongue, below the belt. I mean, how hard must it be to be stand out as an individual in this world? Get a tattoo. Oh, that's awesome. You show your tattoo. You're like, you know, I got my mom. I just said, mom, heart, mom. I love mom. I just want the world to know I love mom. Eh, because you're hanging on to your individuality. Well, that didn't, that didn't stand you out enough. So guess what people decided to do? Oh, they had to sleeve up. They just full sleeves. And I ain't got no problem if you want to get tattoos, but I can tell you this. You're doing it because you're trying to hold on to your individuality. And when somebody else gets more tattoos than you, oh, well, I got to stand out. I'm going to get my other arm sleeved up. Okay. That, that, hey, that's your business. Legs sleeved up, chest back, all, all of that. Uh, all of that is in an attempt to put your individuality on display. But guess what? That ain't, no, that ain't unique. Everybody, you, you see tattoos everywhere. Plastic surgeons, preachers. Mental health counselors, everybody has, has got tattoos now. So what do they have to do? Well, uh, well, now they tattoo on their fingers, on their eyelids. Well, I'm going to tell you something. You're not putting a needle near my eye. I let go of my individuality at that point. But we live in a world where people are unwilling to let go of anything. Expression, personal expression has never been so important to people as it is in this generation of young people. And I want to tell you, if you're young, if you're middle-aged, or if you're old, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. Your individual expression is not something that uh, even should be try to be permanent in your life forever because guess what's going to happen in 10 years? You're going to have a new identity. Different things are going to become important to you. Go ahead. If you don't believe me, tattoo the name of your favorite band across your forehead. Ten years from now, you'll be thinking, what was I thinking? Go ahead. You, 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 you want to be individualistic? Go ahead. And, 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 and here's, here's a guy super popular. Um, go ahead and get all the same face, neck, and body tattoos that Post Malone got. Ten years from now, you'll be kicking yourself in the face. What was I thinking? Well, you never have to go through that if you let your identity be in Christ because he doesn't change. You never have to, like, you never have to worry about that stuff. But when you try so hard to show forth as an individual to, to have your truth, that's another one that just wears me out. There ain't no such thing as, well, my truth. The Bible says no scriptures of any private interpretation. It can't mean one thing to me and one thing to you. Well, that's how you see it. But my truth is uh, shut up would be a good phrase to use it in public, but people say it's not nice. You're going to lose your life eternally by trying to hang on to too much of the present. He went on to say, but if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. That's not something people like to hear, that, that, that 
sacrifice, that giving up something that's important to you. Let, let me tell you something. Every Christian man in the room who does not have a wife and every Christian woman in the room that does not have a husband should be completely without any mishaps, completely and solely celibate. <laughs> took, a, took a woman almost 80 years old to say, come on. Now, I don't know how women think because I've never been a woman. I'm never going to be a woman. But I know what it's like to be a man. I know what it's like to be a single man getting busy before Christ. I know what it's like to be a Christian man who's got a spouse getting busy in Christ. The Bible says marriage is honorable and the bed undefiled. Man, if you're married, hey, no holes barred. Go on and, go on and do everything you want to do. But don't miss the second half of that verse. It says marriage is honorable and the bed undefiled. I know most men in my generation, they used to tell their, they used to tell their fiancés, hey, look, when we get married, I'm going to nail that marriage license above the headboard of my bed, and you're going to recognize Y'all missed that. It says marriage is honorable and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. Now, I don't know how women think about it. I'm, I'm pretty sure I got an idea. You know, they're human beings too. Um, but a single man in today's world in any world, is not really a fan of celibacy. Can five men say amen? That, that's just, that's just, that don't come natural to men. I mean, y'all, 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 some of y'all been around long enough, uh, was, was listening uh, to, to the same kind of music I was listening to in, in the 70s, but I, I don't know if it was Bootsy that said it or who it was that said it. Why must I be like that? Why must I chase that cat? None but, the, none but the dog in me. That's what a man is. Um, but in Christ, if you want to follow him, you got to let some stuff go. That doesn't mean that you, you just, everything in you shuts off. You just make a decision and say, for the Lord I'll live, for the Lord I'll die. And God wants single people to be celibate, and I, I, I'll stay on this point if I don't get more than 10 people to say amen to this. God wants single people to be celibate. Amen. Hey, I say that as a single man. I say that as a single man uh, who, with, 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 with a lot of vitality left, but I, I, I'm not only celibate. I don't date. I don't focus on stuff. Uh, to, to, that would lead me down the road. I, I don't watch pornography. Some of y'all need to get off all this stuff that fuels your appetites so that uh, you trying to hang on to things, it's going to cause you to lose your life. He said, but if you give up your life for my sake and the sake of the good news, you will save it. This is possibly the least believed sentence in all of the Bible. People don't naturally believe that if you give up something for the Lord, you'll have a better life. No, nah, dog, I got to do me, me. I got to get me mine. You know, um, maybe, maybe for you, but, man, I got that dog. No, you got to learn that God's way is a better way. And I promise you that it is. In verse 36, 
Bible says, and what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? So we went from the least believed verse or one of the least believed sentences in all of the Bible to one of the, to one of the most amazing questions in all of the Bible. What do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? I saw something uh, on the Internet this week. Um, there was a billionaire. He was doing a, a teaching class to a bunch of people that were uh, entrepreneurial leaders, and he had the means to do it. He said, I could easily, the guy's got hundreds of millions of dollars. He said, I could easily give anybody or everybody in this room $10 million. He said, how many people would like, like just to me, me to give you $10 million? Anybody want $10 million? Okay, I'm going to see who's awake. If you're in this room right now and you would take $10 million if a billionaire was, was wanting to walk in and just hand it to you right now, how many of y'all would take $10 million? Okay. The rest of y'all need help, therapy, medicine. Jesus, he said, but what if the condition was at midnight on the day I give you that money, you die and you never wake up again? You still want that $10 million? You would never get to enjoy it. It wouldn't be nothing at that point. And, and the point he was trying to make, which most people will never believe, no matter how great a storyteller he is, we don't value, we don't think having uh, woke up today that that was more valuable than somebody giving us $10 million. But I tell you what, nobody in their right mind would rather have $10 million and die tonight than be able to wake up tomorrow morning and keep living their life. Every day you get up, you ought to thank God for the gift of life because it's better than money. We, 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 are, we live in a greedy, materialistic society, and Jesus' question is still relevant, maybe more so now than ever. What, what benefit is it if you get all that other stuff, but you die and go to hell forever? I'm going to promise you, 60, 80, 100 years in this life, uh, having great things, it's not worth the cost of spending eternity in hell. If, if, if you believe in the God of the Bible, you got to believe this. you got to believe there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. And you need to realize nothing is worth eternity in hell. Last verse, verse 37 uh, in this text says, Is anything worth more than your soul? Now, if you ask people that and they'd be honest with you, a lot of people would tell you, especially young people, um, and it's only because they haven't lived enough life to gain wisdom yet, but, but they would tell you, is anything more valuable than your soul? Yeah, doing what I want to do. I want to do me. I, I want to go out and do this, that, and the other. Um, listen, there's nothing more valuable than you, where you're going to spend eternity because the Bible teaches all souls are eternal. Everybody's going to live forever. Some people are going to live in heaven, and some people are going to live forever in hell. The, when, the answer to the question, is anything more Worth more than your soul? Obviously, no. What about comfort? What about air conditioning? What about this, uh, you know, having a dishwasher? What about having money in the bank? What about having all None of that is worth losing your soul. Uh, most people live their lives, though, like other things are more important than your eternal resting place. People focus on getting education, getting money, happiness, health, personal satisfaction. Uh, I, I heard something this week. It just blew me back. I've probably listened to it 50 times since then. Listen to this. If you have money, you can buy a house. 
but not a home. With money, you can buy a clock, but you can't buy any extra time. If you got money, you can buy a bed, but you can't buy sleep. If you got money, you can buy food, but not an appetite. You, you, you can buy a doctor with money, but not good health. If you got money, you can buy insurance, but you can't buy safety. See, there are things that you can't buy with money, and those are the big things. And if you don't hear anything today, hear this. Get your mind focused on the bigger things because everything else is going to pass away. Everything else is going to become nothing. As Christians, we need to keep the main thing the main thing, and the main thing is Jesus. It's not having the right car, the right clothes, the right house, all this other stuff. Listen, I, it doesn't matter how much money I ever have in my life, you would never see me spend $20,000 on a watch. There's clocks everywhere. And if you grew up and, you know, around the right people, they already let you know if you don't know. Ask somebody. All the people think it's all these other things. I want you to consider this as, as, as we finish. Come on, Victor. Uh, there are Christians all around the world that live without electricity. Well, Pastor, if I don't pay my light bill, they're going to shut my lights off. Well, okay. But all my food will spoil. Throw it out. There's a dumpster in your apartment complex. Trash can somewhere. Drive it up to the, to, to the, to the to the circle K. They got, they got a trash can. Well, uh, then what, what are we going to do for food? Do you know the majority of the world struggles for food? We're such a prosperous nation, but people honestly believe, oh, I, 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 could, I couldn't live without unlimited wireless. I, I got to have internet. Do you know how meaningless your video games you play on your phone, your social media, your, your wireless connectivity uh, you know how meaningless all that's going to be in eternity? I got news for you. Check this. Some of y'all will give up on Christianity over this. Think how many cell phones in heaven. Think how many laptops in heaven. No iPads, iPods. No, no, none of that. People walking around, walking down sidewalk, bumping into each other because they're staring at the phone. We put value on the wrong things. And people have lost their lives as a result of it. 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, So we, talking about the apostles, the real Christians, the real followers of Jesus, we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things we cannot see. Hold on. I'm reading out of two different versions. We, so we don't look at the troubles we can see now, rather we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. I see it so much. Young people want to argue with their parents because your, parent, your parents want you to stop hanging around bad people. That's my friend. I ain't ne- you, you lose your relationship with your family over, over your best friend. Guess what's going to happen in, in a month? Six months, two years, y'all ain't gonna be talking to each other. That's why. That's why most people, stubborn, hard-headed people, waste their whole life. And finally, when they get old, they they start to really start to focus on what's important. I want to encourage you: focus on what's important now. And the things that are important are the things that we cannot see. Things like what salvation? You need to get saved. 
You can't see God. But you can believe by faith that he's there, that he loves you, that he sent his son Jesus Christ to die for you. I'm going to give you some, some personal advice in closing. Stop competing with other people. Stop caring what other people have and what you don't have. Stop competing with what other people think and, 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 and what they like and what they don't like. God didn't put us here to compete. You don't have to be better than anyone else for the Lord to love you. You just need to concentrate on being a better Christian today than you were yesterday. Be the best version of who. Stop trying to be like somebody else unless that somebody else is Jesus. Stop trying to measure up to your brother, your cousin, your neighbor. All that is a trick of the devil to get you to focus on the wrong things. Focus on being better today in Christ than you were yesterday. It's a better life. And the promise of God is if you give up anything in this life, God is going to reward you a hundred times over in this life and in the next life eternity in heaven forever and there's nothing worth losing your soul for pray with me God thank you for your word thank you God for 60 years on this planet help me to live with wisdom God help us to be less selfish Lord help us to stop focusing on the wrong thing help us to focus on the right thing in Jesus name amen Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast and visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church, loving God, loving people.